<laughs> and we are live. We are live. <laughs> we are live. Chapter 23, Genesis. Chapter 23, Genesis. Would you do the honors? Heavy. Would you do the yes. honors, Justin? You know it. All right, guys, Genesis chapter 23, starting off in verse 1. Now Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Then Abraham rose from before his dead and spoke to the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. Give me a burial site among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Then the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our graves. None of us will refuse you his grave for burying your dead. So Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. And he spoke with them, saying, If it is your wish for me to bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and approach Ephron, the son of Zor, for me, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, which is at the end of his field, for the full price, let him give it to me in your presence for a burial site. So here we have Abraham, who, or first of all, Sarah dies. Then Abraham comes to take care of burying her, and he needs to find a burial site. So he is speaking with the men of the land of that region and negotiating with them, uh, trying to find a place that he can bury Sarah. So one of the interesting things that I see in this passage is it appears that possibly Abraham and Sarah were in two different places when Sarah died. So when we go back to verse 22, it says, after Abraham and Isaac returned, it says in verse 19, so Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now, when it talks about Sarah, Sarah died in Kiriath Arba, that is in Hebron. So it appears that Abraham and Sarah were living in different places at the time of her death. Uh, I don't know. This is a little bit tricky. And so I don't know if this potentially has to do with maybe she was really upset about him being willing to kill their son. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think that there is a case here that Abraham and Sarah may have been uh, uh, split up a little bit, not, not divorced, but may have been separated. Let me say that. I, I, I don't know. I don't want to be too bold and read something in the text that isn't there, but the text seems to explicitly tell us in the last chapter, Abraham was living here. Now it starts off this chapter saying that when Sarah died, it gives a different location. So that, that's what I see. I think that's interesting. Uh, we see here also that it appears, I mean, Isaac was 37 years old 
when his mother died. And we know that because in chapter 17, it said she was 90 when he was born. And so here we see that she died, I believe, at 127. Yeah. So Abraham specifically says in verse 4, I am a stranger and a sojourner among you. And so Abraham's really identifying that he's a foreigner, essentially, and a stranger among the Hittites. And it's pretty interesting that he chooses a burial site in this particular area because normally you're not going to bury somebody where you're a foreigner, unless you plan to be there for a while, which is exactly the case here. Abraham expects to be here for a good long time because this is the promised land that God made with Abraham a covenant. And so Abraham's clearly not going anywhere. He's making a commitment to be around this particular area for a while. I agree. And uh, I want to add to that, that Abraham had a good reputation among these people. It says in verse 6, hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. So mm. even though he was a stranger and a foreigner, mm -hmm. he, uh, he, had, he was respected mm. and he was blessed by God. And because of the obedience, God did bless him that led to him being just an honorable person, mm. even though he was a foreigner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And going along with that, Abraham being such a successful individual in verse seven, you see him, Abraham rose and bowed to the people of the land, the sons of Heth. So he's bowing despite being a pretty powerful guy kind of shows his humility in this particular passage, which, you know, obviously I think is an important, um, that's definitely a biblical characteristic to have. And uh, another thing to note, <laughs> um, Abraham's specifically requesting um, a burial, a burial plot in which he's going to buy. He's not just going to bury his dead in somebody else's tomb, he wants to actually own the the plot of land, the burial site himself, and he's willing to pay for it. Moving on to verse 10, I believe. We left out of verse 9. Correct, we are in verse 10. Verse 10. Now Ephron was sitting among the sons of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the hearing of the sons of Heth. Even of all who went in at the gate of his city, saying, No, my Lord, hear me, I give you the field, and I give you the cave that is in it. In the presence of the sons of my people, I give it to you, bury your dead. And Abraham bowed before the people of the land. He spoke to Ephron in the hearing of the people of the land, saying, if you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field, accept it, from me that I may bury my dead there. Then Ephron answered Abraham, saying to him, My Lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 
400 shekels of silver. What is that between me and you? So barrier did. Abraham listened to Ephron, and Abraham weighed out for Ephron the silver, which he had named in the hearing of the sons of, of, the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, commercial standard. Well, there's actually different views on what we're going to be looking at here. And so I'm going to be presenting one of the views presented in some commentaries, and Justin will be presenting the other view presented as well. So in the previous section, we see that Abraham's requesting a particular plot, a particular area in which he can bury Sarah. And it just so happens this guy Ephron was amongst the people in which Abraham had just bowed down to. And Ephron basically offers this area of land for free to Abraham. Abraham refuses this request. And then he says again, hey, I'm going to buy this from you. You know, let, Nate, what I'm gonna pay. I'm gonna pay the price of the field. Uh, so he says in verse nine, the full price. So he reiterates that um, in verse nine, and he says, "No, I'm actually gonna buy it from you." And then verse fifteen, um, Ephron basically names names the price, names the value of the land, essentially. Now, there's a couple of interesting things going on here. Um, obviously, Abraham knows this guy, Ephron. I mean, he points him out right away. You know, he immediately knows, hey, who this guy is. He knows what area of land he owns. So Abraham, he wants the cave that Ephron owns. And then Ephron offers to give him the field, which... And, and I give you the cave that is in it. So basically he's offering both, right? Both the field and the cave, which is somewhat interesting. Um, and then Abraham goes on to say, you know, hey, yes, I'll buy the, I'll buy the field from you. And, you know, so, so why did Ephron, what's going on here? You know, cause there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I think, Scholar, some of the scholars, uh, some of the commentaries seem to indicate that um, Abraham seems reluctant, obviously, to take this for free. You see that in, in previous chapters that, you know, he doesn't want to take anything from anybody else because he doesn't want anyone to come back and say, hey, Ephron, you know, gave gave anything to me or anybody gave anything to me. Which wouldn't exactly be true, right? Because if you look at some of these other two uh, encounters that Abraham has with these uh, kings, essentially, in the area. I mean, they give him a lot of cattle. So he is getting stuff from other people. So why would he not want to accept this from Ephron? There could be some indication that maybe Ephron is, is giving this for free, but kind of expecting a gift or something in return later on, and maybe Abraham's not really interested in that. Why would Ephron offer the land and the cave? Um, it could have been because of some type of tax tax purposes. It's my understanding in this particular area during this time, there, there were taxes to be paid. And if Ephron just gave him the cave, Ephron would still be responsible for the taxes. Um, and so that's why he kind of wants to get rid of the land too. So he doesn't have to basically pay the taxes for this particular property. 
Um, thirdly, Efron names the price of the property, which is 400 shekels of silver. And it's my understanding this, that's a lot of silver. You know, that's a, that's a large uh, dollar amount based upon chapters, you know, forthcoming in the Bible. Um, commentators would say that, hey, this is a lot of money. And maybe Ephron was putting Abraham in, into a bad spot. And basically Abraham's in front of everybody saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay for this property for you. And then Ephron, you know, says this big price. And it's like Abraham kind of, he's kind of in a, in a tough spot, right? Abraham needs a burial plot for his wife. He sees this land. He wants this land. And so when you first read this, your initial inclination is to think, man, this Ephron guy, what a great guy is willing to offer this for free. And we just don't know that for sure in this section. Did Dr. Constable say that Ephron was offering this for free? Dr. Constable said that really not for free, but with some type of expectation of a gift in return or some type of favor in the future, because that was customary at the time. And so who knows what the Zephron guy is all about. Right. I guess my sources said something different, and I remember learning something different. How do you um, feel about it? I, I guess I just learned it uh, from a different angle. I learned that, like, he's not offering it for free. What happened is Abraham tried to buy the cave, and Ephron's pretty much like, well, no, I'm not going to sell the cave individually. I'm going to sell, like, the whole plot. So, like, when he said... Uh, no, my Lord, hear me. I give you the field and I give you the cave that is in it. In other words, like, no, I'm going to like sell you the both. Do you know what I'm saying? And then um, he spoke. If you all only listen to me, I will give you the price of the field. So then Abraham just kind of agrees to it. Um, ah. that's what it's like the, like the commentary I read said, like they were talking about how this is was kind of common with the the Hittite and uh, uh, business transactions. Mm -hmm. And so this wasn't, um, I don't know, the, the, the way I learned it, this was not, so like when we're reading this, just pick up the Bible and you're reading it yourself. I agree. It feels like, it's like a, hey, no, I mean, you're, you're like this stud. I don't even want to charge you. Just bury your dead. But I don't know, based on the commentaries that have looked into the business transactions with Hittites and the ancient Near East, Reverse, yeah, read verse 13, though. He spoke to Ephron and the people, the hearing of the land, saying, If you will only please listen to me, I will give the price of the field, accept it from me that I may bury my dead. So I don't know if that's a, a further confirmation, like, no, I want to pay you. I don't want this for free. I want to pay you. Accept this from me. Well, so in other words, like, I feel like that. So based on how I learned it, I sure. feel that, like, Abraham's saying, okay, like he, he's not, when Ephron said, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you the whole plot, right? So Abraham's saying, okay, I accept your deal. Let everyone hear that I accept the whole plot. I'm not, I'm no longer just trying to buy the cave from you. I'm going to totally. pay you for the whole plot. So I, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I'm what? just saying. I, no, I think that's multiple great angles though, right? I mean, it's, um, yeah. Okay. Ephron, this is, um, let me read this. Coins were not minted until the 7th century BC, so Abraham would have paid for his land by weighed pieces of silver. Ephron's responses to Abraham's request sound very generous. 
but he was really making it difficult for Abraham to pay less than his asking price. Ephron's objective may have been to get a presence from Abraham for giving him the field and cave that would compensate for the value of the land. Such a gift was customary. On the other hand, he may have wanted to preclude Abraham's offering to pay him less than his asking price. So I guess really not, I mean, it, at no point was this going to be a free transaction. You know, uh, it was the custom of the area to get a gift, I guess. One way or another, someone's back was going to get scratched for the land. Okay, Genesis 23, verse 17. So Ephron's field, which was in Machpelah, which faced Mamre, the field and cave, which was in it, and all the trees which were in the field that were within all the confines of its border were deeded over to Abraham for a possession in the presence of the sons of Heth. Before all who went in at the gate of his city, after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field at Machpelah, facing Mamre, that is Hebron, and the land of Canaan, so the field and the cave that is in it were deeded over to Abraham for a burial site by the sons of Heth. So we see Abraham bought the field. It was deeded over to him. We see this transaction took place at the city gate. And Abraham did end up burying Sarah there. And the transaction happened in front of the the community there so we see that like henry had mentioned earlier by abraham burying sarah here he was making clear that there was no turning back now he was the the promised land uh, he was committed to the promised land he was committed to being in this place where god had called him also it points to abraham's faith abraham believed that god's promise went beyond himself. And this was a big deal. We see this is the only purchase. It appears this is the only property purchase Abraham made that's recorded in scripture. And this was a big deal, this, this burial site, because later on, as we're going to continue to read in Genesis, Abraham himself was buried here. Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Leah were all buried here. And then later on, toward the very end of the book of Genesis, we see that Joseph requested that when the sons of Israel returned, left Egypt and returned to the land of Israel, that they take his remains back to the land, the promised land as well. So this is a popular burial spot is what I'm hearing. Do you think they're still taking applications for uh, burials in this in this particular area? I doubt it. You think it's filled up? I don't think you could afford a plot there now. <laughs> hey, you don't know me. You don't know me, bro. You don't know my life. <laughs> no, uh, I wouldn't mind being stacked in between. Maybe I get a spot in between Abraham and Sarah. I don't know. Um, no, this is a pretty, uh, pretty interesting thing. Of course, you know, nobody wants to just you know, start burying their family in a place that they're not going to be around for a while. And, you know, there's definitely a big commitment. And I 
also note in this section, it's mentioned twice that this property was ultimately deeded over to Abraham in verse 17 and verse 20. So it seems very clear that this property belongs to Abraham and really nobody else. So, yeah. In this chapter, we kind of get to thinking about death. And Abraham has this eternal focus. Like me and Henry have been mentioned, the, he's totally committed to this land because of God's promise. He recognized that what God was doing went beyond him. And I see this as one of those things that it's kind of like when you go to a funeral and you think about what's going to be said at your own funeral. Mm. And so, you know, Abraham is living the kind of life knowing that there, that it means something in front of the living God. It means something to live your life well, to be obedient, to serve God's purposes. And so as Christians today, those of us who have put our faith in Christ, our greatest hope is actually at our death. It is, it is sad when we lose loved ones, but our greatest hope is at our death because we, Christ has promised us a resurrection and uh, Christ has already resurrected. And that's proof that uh, we're going to be resurrected. That's proof that when we die, we're going to see God. And so we need to live our lives with that eternal focus of our purpose on this earth being one to glorify God because of where we're going to spend eternity. And there is an eternity coming very quickly. Well said, well said. Hopefully not too quickly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we will see you in the next chapter, chapter 24. 24, baby. (laughs) See you soon.